0: Tune in to On The Schmooze to listen as I ask deep questions to elicit untold stories about leadership and networking. And where can people subscribe? Find the show at ontheschmooze.com or on marketingpodcast.net or just search for it wherever you get your podcasts. You
1: heard them. Go subscribe. Hey, everyone, you are listening to the All Things Private Practice Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Casal, licensed clinical mental health counselor and licensed clinical addiction specialist here in Asheville, North Carolina, also a private practice coach and strategist. Working with a lot of entrepreneurs on this podcast to talk about their journeys into their creative ventures, but really discussing obstacles, barriers, failures, and just really the insecurities that come up when we start our small businesses here with TJ Walsh today, licensed professional counselor in Philadelphia, also a grad school adjunct professor, a coach for artists who are helping them kind of move from point A to point B and a group practice owner. So doing a lot. Really happy to have you here and on the podcast today, TJ. Yeah,
0: thanks so much, Patrick. I'm really excited to be hanging out with you. Whenever people (laughs) kind of like list out, it's almost like verbally or hearing a bullet points list of things that I'm doing. I'm always kind of, um, I always kind of have to like take a step back because I don't feel like I'm doing that much sometimes and everybody around me is saying holy shit you're doing too much stuff how do you have this or how do you have this and for somebody who has struggled with just like fear of failure or fear of um, not accomplishing much whenever I get that perspective in those first few seconds of an intro I'm like yeah okay I'm doing I think I'm doing okay
1: (laughs) are you able to like take that in as you hear that from another source like are you able to say to yourself wow TJ you've come a long fucking way
0: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I try I try to take it in I think that that's something that I could that I and probably many of us could do better at especially those of us who are coming from more of that kind of helping other people professional side of things we're used to kind of always be looking at the other and ignoring ourselves so I can I'm starting to be able to take it in a little bit more but it's, it's good. hard
1: yeah I think we're on the same page then because I get a lot of those comments too like oh my god look how much you're doing look how much you've accomplished and I'm like it doesn't feel like I've done enough like it doesn't feel like I can even sit with the fact that I've worked really hard to get to this place and I know you and I are going to talk about like imperfect action and paralyzing fear and mm-hmm. in, in your journey and I think so many people relate to that just the fact that like we hold ourselves back because right. of our lack of belief in our abilities or even clarity into yes. what's next or what we want to grow into so yes. yeah take it away tell us about like point A to point B I know it's a long journey but like let's hear some of the cool things that you know have happened along the the way and where you started sure. out. Sure. So, you know
0: what, like I never really intended to be doing what I'm doing today back 15, 20 years ago when I was like being born an adult, right? When I was starting out as as a person going to undergrad and starting his young adult life, you know, my plans for myself were very, very different than where I've, where I've landed. And, you know, life is a shitstorm most of the time. And, you know, I just got thrown in to this like this spiral of just like responding to it instead of kind of taking it by the horns and making decisions proactively for myself for a bit of time my experience in undergrad was actually in art school so my um, undergrad degree is in fine arts and I came out of there with a BFA in design and I worked um, in the design field for you know eight nine ten years doing all different kinds of things from just like being a staff designer to being a creative director for international nonprofit organizations, developing brand strategy and that kind of thing for them. And I was doing that. I just wasn't ever really satisfied, but I really didn't know, you know, how to make any changes. This was like a thing that I was supposed to be doing. I went to the school for this. And so, of course, I'm going to keep doing this kind of thing forever. And then somewhere along the way, decided that I should probably get a master's degree (laughs) of something. (laughs) Because I guess that's like the next natural step, right? And I came to this crossroads where I was either going to get a master's of fine arts, or I was going to completely change course and direction and go the psychology route. Now, my history is uh, my hist- my own personal history with mental health. Don't have to go into it right now. I will. I do um, if, if that's of interest. But really, the crux of it is if I were at that time to go get my master's in fine arts, that would just be a recipe for disaster because it's all looking at myself and kind of navel gazing and kind of just getting wrapped up in a whole bunch of darkness that I probably didn't need to be doing at that time. And I would be better served helping other people where I could grow myself as an individual while also seeing other people grow. And so ultimately I decided to go that route. While I was doing that, I got canned from my position as a art director and nonprofit organization. No idea really why at the end of the day, it was budgetary, but it came on really suddenly. And I was forced then, Patrick, to make (laughs) some critical decisions, right? Do I want to get back into the stream of what I've been doing for the past decade or do I really want to kind of hold my breath and start taking steps in a direction that might be and has turned out to be more fulfilling and more true to who I am as a person.
1: Sounds like quite the existential crossroads and one that you didn't necessarily expect to happen to you at that time. What was it like to just like have everything you knew kind of unravel in a way and step into the unknown of I'm going to pursue something completely different? Not saying that art isn't therapeutic, but just pursuing a master's in completely different realm and world.
0: Yeah, I mean, the type of art that I was doing was commercial art, right? And so it wasn't the therapeutic kind of thing that, you know, some people might consider artistic, therapeutic kind of endeavors. It was taking other people's messaging, translating it into something that was appealing and effective and putting it out in the world in hopes that they would either do a few things with it, either purchase something, donate something, whatever it was to like reach that kind of very monetized or structured endpoint and goal. So that was not fulfilling to me anymore either. What was more fulfilling to me was when I was sitting across a conference table from a client um, at that time, whoever was the account owner of the project that I was working on and hearing the story of that person and why they were trying to put this thing out into the world or why this program was so important to them and learning then you know about that person and helping them tell the story better themselves. So it wasn't actually the making of the thing. It was the learning about the person behind the thing. And so that was my kind of bridge there was like, man, like it's these human to human kind of interactions and relationships that I really, really jive on. And so that helped me get across the bridge to making that decision that I did make for furthering the education that I have. Also, you know, I'm somebody who has been really, really affected positively by therapists and the therapists be like people. You know, I I have a history of eating disorders and bipolar 2 diagnosis at some point, right? And had really gone through some dark shit and some really tough stuff. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for those people and maybe the literal sense of not being here. And so all those things kind of started to come together in a way that made sense for me to to step back into um into that kind of counseling, therapy, coaching world. So yeah, but it was a sudden shift one day in July, I, you know, got called into the office, felt like I was going to the principal's office, had no idea why it's always a bad sign. Everybody, when your HR department is not on site, usually they're usually in some other office and you walk in in the morning and you see the HR person, whoever drew the short straw, they go to the office that day, walking around the place. You're like, oh man, why is she here? Well, she was there for me that day. So <laughs> it was a sudden thing. Um, but you know, I'm really happy with, with it at the end of the day, now that's occurred all those years ago.
1: I appreciate you sharing that part of your story. And, you know, I, I think that a lot of us that get into this field have definitely been positively impacted by mental health work and therapy based on our own struggles and challenges. Right. And it sounds like that Allowed you to have a lot of curiosity in your prior profession. And then, you know, essentially, unfortunately, like dead man walking situation when you walk into the office that day unexpectedly. So then life changes quite a bit and you pursue your master's and in the helping profession. And tell me about like where that takes you today in terms of businesses and just like working through, like we talked about, overanalyzing, overthinking, almost creating this paralyzing fear process for ourselves where we we get stuck in our heads and convince ourselves like do not grow you can't and it's not possible
0: for you anyway Mm -hmm. so it's almost like the the businesses um so in the intro you told everybody that i have group a small group practice clinical counseling and then i have this coaching business that i'm starting this other endeavor and then i also have a fine arts practice as well where i do show and sell my my artwork on a national level as well. So I have multiple things going on, right? The businesses are great because they give me focus and they give me things to do, but, and they give me money and the ability to feed myself and my family and all of those great things that are essential to survival. But at the end of the day, they are the biggest personal growth project, (laughs) uh, self-guided program, I guess you can say that I could ever give myself. I'm learning so much about myself and who I am. I'm learning about um, my strengths and my weaknesses and where I thrive and where I don't. And it is uncomfortable as hell every day to be enrolled in that program (laughs) that I've like developed for myself and have thrown myself in. And it can be really debilitating. So I come from, so in Philadelphia, um, you're either Italian or Irish (laughs) and I'm the Irish version of that. And we are... Our very blue collar family, my cousins and myself and my siblings are pretty much the first people in our family to go to college to get master's degrees afterwards and to have this kind of existence. And so I come from a pretty firmly rooted scarcity mindset, right? Where there's never going to be enough. If I stop taking on things, then that's going to be it. The faucet's turned off forever. I'm never going to be able to get more clients or grow more programs or anything like that. So I have to keep going, keep going, keep going. And that's the biggest thing that has been a growth point for me recently because I've started this other project and my clinical work, my one-on-one FaceTime with clients has really had to kind of shift gears and be reduced, <laughs> which is really fucking scary for me because I'm like, man, if I'm saying I'm not taking on more clients, one on one FaceTime, right? That is the bulk of my income or that is my first business. Am I saying like no to this? I'll all of a sudden, what's going to happen? But I'm noticing the more I kind of push into that fear and the more pockets of time kind of open up for me, the more alive I feel. I don't feel quite as dead anymore because I was burning the hell out of myself or burning myself out like crazy. And you know, pushing into that fear of scarcity and saying, no, that's not true. That's a falsehood for me. And living into there's gonna be more on the other side that's better or that's more appropriate for this time has been so amazingly important for me to learn. Um, So I think I lost track of your question there, but hopefully that made at least a little bit of sense. I don't know.
1: No, that's, that's actually a perfect answer for people to hear because what I'm hearing is there's ancestral like family of origin trauma with money and scarcity and poverty and the fear of like, I can't stop, right? Like I have to provide mm-hmm. if I stop doing these direct client hours of, you know, 60 minutes of my time, yeah. how the hell am I going to pay my bills? Like we're going to lose our house. We're going to lose everything. Like right. we're going to be in poverty. like And I think we revert back to that mentality because it's like fight or flight almost, with our money trauma, then to step into that unknown, recognizing like, hey, I'm burning the hell out. I'm feeling really overwhelmed with doing clinical work. I can start to create more when I allow myself to have more space because it creates more energy. But it's kind of like a double edged sword, right? Because stepping into the unknown, creating more space is
0: fucking scary because you're like, I don't know if this is going to be successful. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. I mean, the way I developed and got into private practice work was very incremental. And it was like, you know, I start full time kind of within somebody else's setup right? And then, you know, I build up my caseload and I'm also obtaining my licensure and all of that kind of stuff. And then eventually I kind of pull out to three quarter time and then I start bringing in a little bit of my own, right? So it's very incremental until the point where I'm able to say, okay, I think I have enough foundation or floor to stand on. I'm going to actually go full time on my own. And so I was able to to pace myself a little bit there with that. And I think that that would be my advice for for many people that there's never an all the people or all the time kind of answer. But for many people, that is kind of a nice way to be able to do it right to build up incrementally to hold on to some of your uh, your benefits or your income in your other place while you get ready to go. But with this other stuff that, that I'm doing right now, it is not a sure fire thing in the sense that all I need to do is, you know, be personable enough be effective enough and people will come and sit in front of me and I give them therapy or work with them on their therapeutic goals for an hour and then the next person comes in this is like I'm developing something literally from scratch that nobody knows anything really about they don't even know that they necessarily need it yet well they know but they don't and I need to build it all out and have it all ready to go and then launch it and then hope they click buy right and I'm putting a lot of time effort and money into this effort while I'm also, because one of those things I just said was time, reducing kind of my guaranteed income generator to give myself time to work on this thing that I'm going to launch at some point. And will it be effective? That is really scary for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking horrifying to step away
1: from the consistent, secure, I know what I'm going to get to the unknown. I'm going to build it. This is a passion project. I know people can use it and need it. And are they going to buy it? And I think we almost start to connect like our self-worth and value Mm -hmm. to are they going to buy it? Because if they don't, does that mean what I have to offer sucks? Like, is it just not valuable? And it's really scary. And I think what you're doing is really courageous and I see a lot of entrepreneurs start to do this as they start to get more creative as they start to see that there are more options out there other than 60 minute chunks of their time and that doesn't make it any less horrifying Mm -hmm. i want to loop it back around though like what you told me you did in the art world was like bringing other people's visions to life and selling people on the value or the value and the brand and the mission so it sounds like having to do that for yourself now but also (laughs) having that Self doubt, inner critic, like potential, like freak out moment of is this going to work? Mm-hmm. And that is really scary stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Or even like there's all of that. And, but for me, it's, you know, do I have enough experience and world knowledge and direct applied stuff to actually be a voice of authority in some of these areas? Like you can, you know, do I have enough experience to be a group practice owner? Like I have the people that work with me, you know calling me because I'm on all virtual practice all online. So I have my folks calling me and saying like, Hey, I need to run this by you. Or, you know, I, you know, what would you do in this situation? And I'm like, I don't I, I would do this, but like, you know, it's really weird when people are coming to me because my name is on this thing and they suppose I have the right answer or in the art stuff, you know, I've been a professional artist for 20 some years. Right. And, you know, I have all of this stuff. I've developed my own personal voice and everything like that. But now I'm going to tell people and work with people to develop their own goals and look at their own realities and look at their own options and find their own ways forward by using an authoritative kind of voice who the hell told me I could do that yeah. <laughs> but here I am and I hope that they want it and you know people come to me all the time for this and I don't charge them a, a penny right when they come to me for this stuff but now all of a sudden I'm going to label uh, a price I'm going to put a price on the thing and all of a sudden all those people all of a sudden won't want to work with me again right that's my fear all that insecurity
1: goes through it. the roof you know like that imposter syndrome or whatever we want to call it starts to ramp in of like I don't have have enough letters behind my name or enough experience, or if I'm not giving it away for free, people won't buy it. Who the hell am I to be the voice or the expert in this role, right? So like, it's really interesting how that shifts psychologically when we start to grow. But what I hear from you is a lot of humility around it of like, I'm really concerned and I'm really genuinely interested in the outcome for people. And that means like in your group practice, in your coaching, in whatever you're doing, being concerned about the outcome because you want people to have results and you want them to be successful
0: right and I want to be successful too like I want to be the best that I can be right and I you know this imposter syndrome thing that we talk about the way uh, so I hire still this is also a a PSA for everybody out there who is a clinician who is at the point where they can own their own business and practice and everything you need to be still getting supervision (laughs) that's kind of a little PSA for everybody so I hire this supervisor for myself that I see every other week I pay her money and she's been in the field for like 45 years. She's awesome. But she, you know, we talk about this imposter syndrome kind of concept that I experience and that so many of us experience. And she said, you know, if you have imposter syndrome, this, this isn't a direct quote, this is like a paraphrase of everyone. But if you have imposter syndrome, you know, it's usually a good sign because it means that you care and it means that you're probably pretty good because if you're overestimating the quality of the work that you're doing and not having any fear, not having any self-doubt, not having any kind of like self-evaluation, right? You're probably not that good. And she's like, the fact that you are questioning yourself all of the time, the fact that you are kind of looking under the rocks and kind of inspecting them is a sign that you want the best for yourself and the people that, you know, trust you to help them, you know, where it becomes becomes a, a challenge. And this is TJ talking again, not his supervisor. or where it becomes a challenge, though, is if you stay in that place for too long and that's all you see and you discount all of the facts and figures that are being presented to you that show you are okay, you are pretty good, you do help people, you are making a difference and not letting yourself move forward. That becomes a bit of a, of a problem at that point.
1: I think your supervisor's spot on. And I know, you know, yeah. we see that term thrown around a lot these days. And I think you're absolutely right. And there's a duality, right, of like, we need humility, we need to question competency, we need to have a little anxiety and insecurity, because we don't want to go into everything feeling like we just know it all without the ability to learn. And I think clinically, that is also true. But then there's the other side of like, can I get stuck in that? Is that going to be so overwhelming, that fear or insecurity that I can never put the idea out there in the first place. So that can be crippling. And I've lived that fucking life for a long time. And I'm sure you have too in a lot of ways. And it's just it can be really painful. So we talked a little bit about imperfect action. Um you want to talk for a couple minutes about what that means to you?
0: Yeah, so imperfect action again, I guess it's like another term that is swimming around in some of our pools right now and basically for me it's just do something, right? I work with, you know, a person who's helping me develop this other business, this coaching business. Um I think that you also know. She's all about about, you know, imperfect action and just like put the thing out there. If you don't put it out there, you can't test it and validate it and see if it stands. And if it falls over, then you know what to do. You can kind of pick it back up and you know fix it. But if you're just sitting on it forever and ever, it's not going to go anywhere. And, you know, I can spend forever sitting on something. And, you know, I, I have no, no idea why I use this analogy all the time, but I use it anyway. I have no right to use it because I will never give birth to a human child I don't have the ability to do that (laughs) but here I am talking about this like labor and delivery analogy so it's like forever I sit on something and it's like this really painful laboring process and it takes me forever and ever and ever and I'm like in pain about it I'm talking to my therapist about it in this existential disasterville I'm talking to my supervisor about it and she's saying the same thing that everybody else is which is like shit or get off the pot. And eventually I just like explode and birth this thing and it's in existence, but it has been so painful for me in ways that it probably didn't have to be. Now what I'm starting to do is when I start to feel the pressure of, you know, this thing has to move or it has to come out, I I just put something out there and it doesn't necessarily have to go live into the real world, but it could be put out there into a smaller space of trusted individuals that can assess it and give me feedback on it that's still an action it's because it's not just staying with me and so I'm planning this thing that should be coming up in the winter and I just needed some accountability around it so I like created like this quick graphic thing and like listed out where I am with stuff and I put it into you know a hive mind kind of group that I'm that I'm in just for accountability and it gave me the ability to say okay I made this action. And now I can take more steps. And that was so helpful for me to get me dislodged from a part of this process that I was starting to kind of overanalyze and and sit on for too long. So to answer your question again, imperfect action is just really putting something out there and, and seeing what it does.
1: Well said. I think I want everyone to really think about that as you're listening to this, that I think so often we believe that we have to have everything, all the pieces in place to launch an idea. We have to know exactly from A to Z, how this is going to work, how it's going to operate, how to kind of structure it and by just putting it out there even if you don't have any of the pieces in place it only it alleviates anxiety and fear but it also creates that accountability like you're saying right and to be honest with you this last year for me i launched my coaching and consulting business facebook group podcast and i just launched an ireland retreat all of that was from imperfect action though because it was like in my head for so fucking long and i convinced myself all of these reasons why it would not work and i just put it out there on facebook like who gives a shit who likes it or comments, but like that felt so scary at the time. And then ultimately now it's like, oh, some of this stuff is going to work and some of it is not. And the stuff that's going to work great. And the stuff that's not, we can change, we can fix, we can edit and improve. So I hope everyone can hear that because I know we can get stuck in our process and it's really paralyzing. So I appreciate that perspective very much. I would love for you to tell the audience like a little bit about where they can find your stuff, like your upcoming offerings um, and more about you so that they can certainly pursue any of those opportunities.
0: Yeah. So I love connecting with people um, all about relationships and knowing people. And so there's a number of ways that y'all can find me. So my my practice website is tjwalshtherapy.com. That will be where you can find out all about my clinical practice and the people that work alongside of me there. You can also find me at boldcreativescollective.com uh, on there right now is a little place for you to put your email in and in your email you'll get a free guide called four steps to grow your creative life it's a really basic starter guide on setting goals looking at realities checking out and discovering options and then taking steps forward ways forward to grow your creative life whatever creative life looks like for you whether it's entrepreneurship or being an actual like fine artist it doesn't matter we all can kind of identify goals and go through this process so you'll get that in your inbox but also in the winter i'll be launching a special program for artists and creative people to grow their creative lives it'll be a year-long program um, but i'm excited to talk more about that when it gets closer but going to bullcreativescollective.com and joining the facebook group bull creatives collective is a way to keep in the loop of all of that and interact with me
1: really cool offerings and I'm really excited to see how your launch goes and you've clearly put a lot of yourself into that and all of TJ's links and information will be in the podcast description so please feel free to check his stuff out go to his Facebook group go to boldcreatives.com check out his group practice in Pennsylvania if you know of anyone who's in need of support in the Pennsylvania state and area and if you want to find more of me you can go to my Facebook group all things private practice or my website all com for individual and group private practice building and coaching retreats and courses feel free to download and subscribe wherever you're listening to podcasts and share this episode where we have conversations about the journeys of entrepreneurs the struggles the insecurities and then the successes see you next time thanks for listening